0: From the Beantown Athletics studio in Boston This is the Danny Picard Show Tuesday, July 25th, 2017 Today's show is presented by Beantown Athletics Your number one source for screen printing and embroidery Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now to get a free quote For your customized apparel Today's show is also presented by DraftKings You can play for free at DraftKings.com by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. At DraftKings, every day is a brand new season, especially during the Major League Baseball season. And there's a new baseball feature at DraftKings. You're going to love it. It's called Arcade Mode. Five hitters and one pitcher. That's right. All you do is pick five hitters and one pitcher. It literally takes me 30 seconds to fill out a lineup, and you can put together a different lineup every single day to turn your love for baseball into cash prizes every single night. So what are you waiting for? Go to DraftKings.com right now or download their app and play for free by using my promo code PIC. That's P-I-C. Welcome to the show on this Tuesday morning. Uh, I know I told you on Sunday night I had tweeted out that I was going to be recording the podcast on Monday, which I usually do. You know the schedule is Mondays and Thursdays. But sometimes things happen, and um, it changes the schedule a bit. But I'm right back at it here on Tuesday morning, so I know you're not getting this show on Monday. It's a little delayed. I apologize for that. That said, let's get right into it, shall we? Now, this week, this is a big week. The next couple weeks are big weeks. First and foremost, the Patriots begin training camp this week. So, um, like I said before you know it, Preseason football is going to be hitting us right in the face. What's the first preseason game for the Patriots is two weeks away, right? Two weeks away. Two weeks from this Thursday is the first preseason game. Thursday, August 10th against the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Patriots open training camp this week down at Gillette Stadium. Tom Brady is already there. The players are already there. Um, I'm excited to do some Patriots, but this is right now in late July – The most important thing to me is baseball, and that's because the Major League Baseball non waiver trade deadline is July 31st, which is now, because I'm recording on Tuesday and not Monday, the trade deadline is now less than a week away, all right? So uh, next Monday is the trade deadline, and uh, we do here in Boston have our eyes on the Boston Red Sox and what they could do before that non-waiver trade deadline. Now, technically, you could still make moves before September 1st, but it's a little bit more complicated. That's the waiver deadline. So, uh, between August 1st and September 1st, teams have to put a guy on waivers if they want to trade him. If they clear waivers, they can trade him anywhere they want. Uh, If a team puts in a claim on him, uh, depending on, uh, you know, the standings and what team puts the claim on him and has the rights to get that player. That's the only team that could really talk a trade. Uh, it's a risky move because if you put a claim on a player, that team can just say, all right, you know what? You got to take them and you got to take a salary. So uh, it, it, that can still be an interesting time when it comes to moves and trades can still be made. But uh, really, the non waiver trade deadline, that's the big deadline. That's the one we all look at. There have already been some moves. We talked about Quintana getting dealt to the Cubs We talked about the Todd Frazier, David Robinson, Tommy Canely trade from the White Sox to the Yankees. There have been a couple other moves here and there. The Red Sox definitely have spots in which they would like to improve. One is the bullpen. I think that's obvious. The other, we we can still say third base, even though tonight, as I do this podcast this morning on Tuesday morning, July 25th, tonight, Rafael Devers is going to make his major league, his first major league start, okay? He's going to make his first major league start at third base, and it's going to be against the Seattle Mariners, and um, it's going to be against Felix Hernandez, who actually is pitching very well right now. So it's, it's not going to be an easy one for him. He's 20 years old. He gets the call up, mainly because they don't really – have anybody else at that position that that overwhelms them to the point where they say this is going to be our guy moving forward? Now, me personally, I think that they should stick with some, some type of veteran there, you know, like a Holt. Even if you wanted to stick with the defensive tandem and and duo of Marrero and Lynn, still, I'd be okay with that. I just think Devers, 20 years old, he was not in the original plan this season. I don't even think he was in the backup, the original backup plan this season. So bringing him up right now in late July to me seems like some type of panic move. It's either a panic move or this is a move to maybe shop his talents before the trade deadline. Um, I'm going to lean more towards panic move, though, to be quite honest with you. I I think that's where this team stands right now. Internally, the front office is looking at what they got in that Red Sox clubhouse and looking at what they have on that field. And I think the Devers' move is a panic move. They know they need offense. They got shut out last night in Seattle on Monday night. It's the Red Sox' third straight loss. Yeah, they're still in first place um, by a couple games. But, you know, you don't have much time to make a move if you think you need to make a move. And they're bringing Devers up, again, to me, to see what type of offense he can provide as your number one prospect in the organization as a 21-year-old third baseman who is not being brought up for his defense because we know he has some issues there, but he's a left-handed hitter and um, he makes his first major league start tonight at third base. So we'll see what he can provide, but I just think it's a panic move. I do. I think it, it, it just, it seems like they're rushing this one and uh, we'll see how it plays out, obviously. But <laughs> tonight is the night. Rafael Devis, the organization's number one prospect he will make his first major league start, but um, I don't think that because of that, the Red Sox, Dave Dombrowski, should just not acknowledge any potential third baseman that they could get in a trade. I don't think they should just hang the phone up on teams. I don't think they should stop looking. If the right deal is there to be made to bring in a third baseman, then you may, I think you still make that move. I really do. I think you make that move. But uh, the Red Sox, they have areas where they need to improve. And that's just looking on the field. But the biggest story the last couple of days with this Red Sox team has sort of been an off the field thing. And, uh, you know, I understand that everybody is passionate about this David Price, Dennis Eckersley confrontation on the team plane uh, last month. It was a month ago, right? And we heard about this. Weeks ago, even a, even a month ago, when it happened, we heard that there was a confrontation, that David Price confronted Dennis Eckersley. And if you don't know, I mean, you must, you look, I know I get a lot of people who listen to my show from the Boston area. This is a podcast, though, and anybody can listen. And um, some people might not really be that familiar with Dennis Eckersley. Dennis Eckersley is a Hall of Fame pitcher, okay? He's a Hall of Famer. And he's a color commentator for the Red Sox television broadcast. And he's a guy that tells it like it is. I love Dennis Eckersley. Eck is my favorite personality, I think, in all of sports broadcasting. He's a former player. He's a Hall of Fame player, so he knows what he's talking about. He seems like just a genuine dude. Like, that's what you want, right? You want it to be authentic. You want it to be genuine. And he's not cookie-cutter because of that. Like, Dennis Eckersley does not get on TV. He does not get behind a microphone. He does not break down a game in a cookie cutter fashion. He's going to tell it like it is. If he thinks something doesn't make sense or something doesn't look right, he's going to call you out. He's going to call someone out. He's going to make, you know, he'll make a face. And even if he doesn't say it, sometimes the video has been on him and he's made a face like, what the fuck just happened there? Dennis Eckersley, in my opinion, is one of the best in the business because of that. That said... I think we've turned Dennis Eckersley into a guy or at least the Red Sox players have turned Dennis Eckersley into a guy that rips them all the time. He doesn't. He doesn't rip them all the time. He said a couple things that have, you know, obviously ruffled some feathers in the Red Sox clubhouse. And what we've heard in years past is that, you know, David Price is not the first person to get upset with Dennis Eckersley for things that he says in the broadcast. We've heard that Dustin Pedroia has been upset with Eck before. There have been other players. And and look, this isn't the first team that's been upset with the broadcaster or somebody in the media. This isn't the first team that's had beef with with people um, who talk about the team for a living. This isn't the first time this type of confrontation has gone down. But I think now that we see some of the details and the way this thing went down... um. It certainly jumps off the page and is a major talking point. At least it is in this city. So I obviously have to talk about it. I'm obviously passionate about it. But for how much longer do you want to listen to people yell and scream about the Red Sox versus the media? The media versus the Red Sox, right? There are times where I side with the player in the battle between player versus media. There have been times where I've sided with David Price this season in his battles with the media. Not all the time, but sometimes. Like, I I don't think that he should be confronting Dennis Eckersley. I don't think that he should confront other reporters in a way where, you know, he is putting it on display so he makes sure everybody else hears it and sees it. Like, I think there's a time and a place for a certain type of conversation if you have an issue with with what somebody says or, or writes. Right, I think there's a time and a place for it. I think there's a way to go about it. David Price at one point said this season that he was only gonna talk to the media on days that he doesn't pitch. Now he's a starting pitcher. He pitches every fifth night. I'm okay with that. People in this town and the media got all worked up about it. I'm saying to myself, I don't it doesn't bother me. What is there to say if you're David Price? To the point where I defended him for that. Um, there have been other things I haven't. Now, This situation with Dennis Eckersley, David Price comes off as a complete clown, as a complete coward. Like, this is a pussy move from from David Price to confront Eck, Dennis Eckersley on a team plane. I mean, come on. That's an issue, right? Now that we see the details, it looks even worse. Because if you hadn't heard the details, and I'm sure you have now, I'm not going to get into the, uh, you know, I'm not going to read it verbatim, but it came out in a Dan Shaughnessy column over the weekend. And and Dan Shaughnessy says when he was in California, when the Red Sox playing the Angels over the weekend, Dan Shaughnessy says he spoke with six people who witnessed the Price-Eckesley incident. And he also talked to another handful of folks close to the situation. So he's telling us he talked to about 10 people. And he said few would agree to be quoted. He said Eckesley and Price would not comment. But here's the narrative of how and what went down, how it went down and what went down on that team flight uh at the end of June, right about a month ago uh, here is how it went down, so he's got a number of people that are uh, on uh, i you know I shouldn't say, I guess I shouldn't say on the record, but um <laughs> nobody nobody wanted to have their names thrown into this, but he somehow got this Dan Shaughnessy somehow got the story look Dan Shaughnessy's not going to throw this out. If, you know, this is, I think this is pretty in depth to the point where I don't think this is made up. I don't think this is fabricated. I think that this is actually how it went down. And in fact, that's why part of me thinks that this isn't really, you know, this isn't really new news. Because when we heard that David Price confronted Dennis Eckersley, what's a confrontation in your mind? I mean, the way that Dan Shaughnessy plays this thing out, this is kind of how I envisioned it going down. And how Dan Shaughnessy says it went down is that David Price, uh, he was standing near the middle of the team aircraft, surrounded by fellow players, and he was waiting for Eckersley. This is in the plane. When Eckersley approached on his way to the back of the plane, so I guess they were boarding the plane, he says David Price stood in front of Eckersley and shouted, quote, here he is, the greatest pitcher who ever lived. The game is easy for him. End quote. Dan Shaughnessy says, when a stunned Eckersley tried to speak, Price shot back with, quote, and this is Price talking to Eckersley still, he says, quote, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> he says, get the fuck out of here. So Eckersley's walking the back of the plane, David Price is standing in front of him, and Price says, here he is, the greatest pitcher who ever lived. The game is easy for him. Get the fuck out of here. Dennis Eckersley was stunned, as Dan Shaughnessy says, and and Dan Shaughnessy also writes that many players applauded this, which is probably the biggest is the biggest piece of news in in, in this one, right? Because again, we knew there was a confrontation. When you think of a confrontation, I, I guess this is the way I kind of expected it to go down. But after players applauded, you know, the plane gets up, gets in the air, they're flying. Uh, Eckersley then, in the middle of the flight, made his way from the back of the plane up to the front of the plane where Dave Dombrowski was seated. When Eckersley passed through the card plane section in the middle of the plane, Price yelled at Eckersley again, shouting, quote, get the fuck out of here, end quote. So Price didn't want to let this go. But we kind of already heard about that. Yeah, the details of what actually he said and the specifics of where he said it and uh, Eckersley walking on the back and how Price wouldn't let it go, okay, that jumps off the page. But to me, the biggest thing that jumps off the page in the story is that other players applauded. And I know this story story also gets into saying that, um, you know, also gets into the Jackie Bradley Jr. stuff where he sort of set Dennis Eckersley up with a picture back in 2015. He asked the media relations director to, to get him a, a picture outside of the team plane. Eckersley posted a picture. Thought it was weird. Eckersley and Bradley Jr. posed for a picture together because, again, Bradley Bradley Jr. requested it. Um, and after he posted a picture, Jackie Bradley Jr. posted on, on social media, posted the picture, and said, thanks to people like Eckersley, who... You know, and I forget the exact quote here, but thanks to people like Dennis Eckersley who said I couldn't do it. All right, said I can't do these things the past few days. People like you is what drives me. So Jackie Bradley Jr. set Eck up for a a, a picture, for a photo op, and then used it to respond to, I guess, the criticism that Dennis Eckersley had at one point for Jackie Bradley Jr. I have no idea. But, um... The other piece that jumps out is that when you find out um, there has been no apology from David Price or John Farrell. Those are two guys. Other people in the Red Sox have reached out and apologized. Um, you know, you get Sam Kennedy, Dave Dombrowski. They've reached out in an effort to smooth things over. But Price or Farrell, John Farrell have not apologized. This... Folks, this is an issue, right? I mean, this is something that you would think cannot happen. Now, I say this cannot happen, and I say this thinking that you have a lot of younger players on this team. Again, this isn't the first time players have not liked members of the media or players have confronted the media. But this is such a cowardly situation. This is such a stupid situation. It's it just... It reeks of a team that is thin-skinned, overly sensitive, and, you know, just is making a mockery out of something that they shouldn't be making a mockery out of. Like, David Price is wasting his time. All we want him to do in this town is go out and pitch and go out and perform. Right? That's that's all we want this team to do. Now, the good thing with it all, I guess, if you want to take something good out of this, is that the team has obviously rallied around this. Whatever this rally cry is, let's be cowards and confront media members, uh, they rallied together. It's pretty obvious, right? They rallied together. Um, And they are in first place. So how much do you really want to yell and scream about this situation? You don't need me to tell you that Price looks like a coward and a complete clown. I told you before, the guy's a fucking boob. Right. I mean, he is. He is. The Jackie Bradley Jr. thing in this story, you know, it's it's something that you don't like to see because I think we all love watching, or at least, maybe I shouldn't speak for us all because I do take some crazy calls on the radio on the weekends where people don't like watching Jackie Bradley Jr. play. And it just, it, it sort of stuns me. But I love watching Jackie Bradley Jr. play. Okay? I do. And, and so, this is a first place team. They need some improvements. But I don't know that before this situation, I was even thinking about making the type of move that would send shockwaves through the clubhouse. Like, I I wasn't. And usually, you don't see a GM or a president of baseball operations make that type of blockbuster deal that sends shockwaves through the clubhouse when you're in first place heading into the trade deadline. Usually, that's that's not your mindset. You're trying to make little tweaks here or there. And realistically, that's probably what's going to happen. But you see this stuff. We already heard about it a month ago. You see it in a little bit more detail. You add the Jackie Bradley Jr. portion to it. You see that players were applauding. You know, you wonder, at least I've wondered, would that plain confrontation have happened if David Ortiz was on the team? And I think the answer is simple. No, it wouldn't have. No, it wouldn't have. Because I didn't. I mean, the David Price versus the media backlash where he's running around down there like he's Stone Cold Steve Austin. I mean, <laughs> let's be like, seriously, this is something out of the WWE. Like now David Ortiz retires. He's out of the clubhouse. David Price is running around like Stone Cold. Doesn't give a shit. And but but he's but he at least Stone Cold Steve Austin would confront people that were maybe bigger than him or uh, knew had a chance to, to, to hit him with a couple shots. I mean, come on now like this is some cowardly stuff coming from David Price and to see the team applaud is absolutely the most concerning thing i know i said they they hey, they're together they this is maybe this is their rallying cry whatever but um it's concerning to see because you know you got a lot of young players mixed in here and tonight you got a 20 year old kid and rafael devis who's making his first start 20 years old you want rafael devis on the flight home after this West Coast trip with the team, seeing one of his uh, veteran guys who's supposed to be a leader on this team just acting like a complete and out of coward and 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 stepping in a media member's face and say se- like. I, like, do you, want to, do you want that as a manager? Do you want that as a president of baseball operations? Do you want that as a guy on the team who's supposed to be a leader like Dustin Pedroia? Like, there's so many aspects to this, and I know everybody's already touched upon them. Look, if you listen to my podcast, you know. I think Dustin Pedroia is a fucking dickhead, and I've witnessed it firsthand. Me and him. Go back to the archives. Go back to all the Manny Machado stuff. I told you. I let it all out. Pedroya's a douchebag. All right? And I don't like the guy. And, you know, if he's ever listened to me talk about him, he probably doesn't like me, but I don't give a shit. I don't. The guy's a donkey. And for, for somebody who's a veteran, who has such a big mouth all the time. I Look, if Pedroya doesn't want to be a captain or a leader, that's one thing. But... The guy's had such a big mouth his entire career. You got something like this going on, and he's silent. Like, Dustin Pedroia, to me, his true colors, his personality has shown perfectly this season. With the Machado situation, throwing his own team under the bus. With this situation, you know, the next part of this story that I wanted to read in the Dan Shaughnessy column was several... Other Red Sox players stood up and got in front of David Price and calmed him down and said, "and and you know they separated the two, and they talked it out, they worked it out before they got off the flight. They had Price and Eckersley sit next to each other, talk it out, and everything's fine. Like that, w- you know what? That would be fine. That's what I wanted to see, okay? But you didn't, and you didn't, and it makes you think. Well, who are the real leaders on this team who would try to prevent?" Who should be trying to prevent this type of ridiculously stupid situation? Pedroya should be one of those guys, but he's not gonna do it. You know why? Because he's a dickhead. And he and like we've heard, he doesn't like Eckesley either. Right? He doesn't. And um, you know, if, if Ortiz was on this team, this stuff would have never been at this stuff would never be happening. So I I think one thing this story shows is that the Red Sox, we talk about going into the trade deadline, all the things the team needs. They need a veteran leader. And they obviously need it in the form of a positional player, somebody who's going to play every day. You know, Chris Sale, we'd like to think this is his... Okay, I've said before, this is his team. He's the captain. Anybody who's been in a big league clubhouse will tell you that a starting pitcher, you know, can only do so much when it comes to... Being the real leader because there's somebody that only pitches once every five days. They only play once every five days, and sometimes it's tough to, to to, to be able to uh, you know rally the troops on an everyday basis. Like like maybe someone like David Ortiz did, and even if David Ortiz just did it by example, he was big poppy. He was the vet. People looked over at him and said, "Okay, if I do mess up here." then someone like him is going to let me hear about it. Who's the guy in that room right now? There's nobody in that room right now. There isn't a single person in that room right now. And we'd like to think maybe Chris Sale would be that guy. But again, perhaps somebody who's a starting pitcher isn't going to be able to do that the way that a veteran positional player who plays every day might be able to do that. So you got this group of Mookie Betts, Xander Bogarts, Andrew Benatendi, Ah, uh, you know, give me some other young players: Christian Vasquez, Jackie Bradley Jr. Tonight, Rafael Devers. This is the future, right? This is the group. How do you want them? How do you want them to learn? How do you want them to learn? Do you want them to learn from David Price and Dustin Pedroia? Or do? You, and yeah, I do throw Pedroia in this, and, and and I'm not the only one. But but this is the Pedroia thing has been something that's been, <laughs> you know, I've I've been arguing with people for a long, long time here. Like, even during the Bobby Valentine stuff. Like, I I didn't, I thought Pedroia got off easy there. He was part of that shit, too. You know, one thing you can say about Pedroia, he at least goes out and puts it all on the line on the field. At the end of the day, that's, I guess, all we ask for. But obviously, this Red Sox group, this Red Sox team is in desperate need of somebody who the younger players can look up to and learn from, not just on the field, but how, just how to act, how to be a veteran guy, how to be somebody that can keep the clubhouse together, can, can make sure that cooler heads prevail in situations where guys might be pissed off about something and, and try to basically let that leak off of the field and create a circus in the process. You know, I want Mookie Betts to be the next leader of this team, and I think it's safe to say that he's going to be just that. But, you know, until that's able to happen, I think this front office staff over the next couple days needs to seriously consider trying to go out and bring a positional player in who's going to play every day, who's going to be able to provide some offense, but more importantly, be a veteran all-star player that that this young group can look up to, right? I think they need to consider that. So we can yell and scream all we want about how Price is a dickhead, about how this group of players are plotting. It just seems like an unlikable team. Um, Pedroya, again, you know how I feel about him. Obviously, he should be stepping up, but we know he's not going to do that because that's just not the type of person he is, and he could probably care less. He probably hates the media and hates Eckersley more than David Price. And, and because of that, you know, he doesn't understand that this is a situation that also makes him look bad and makes this group of Red Sox players an unlikable bunch, or should I say a lot more unlikable today than they were a week ago. Um, and and um, that's not to say they were likable a week ago. When we first heard about this Price stuff. you go, David Price, the whole David Price Red Sox era has been frustrating. And it's only been a year and a half. So, is this going to improve? Does David Price want to be here? Does the Red Sox front office want this group of young core players to learn from David Price and how he's reacting to all this shit? I would say that you shouldn't want that. I'm not going to tell you how they do feel. I'll tell you how they should feel. If I'm Sam Kennedy, if I'm Dave Dombrowski, if I'm anybody else involved in the front office or or owner you know, ownership, whatever. I look at the situation with price and the players applauding, and I don't like it. And I think that you have to have a conversation about possibly sending shockwaves to the clubhouse with a move before the trade deadline. It's not a normal thing to do for a first place team, but I think you gotta consider it. I think you gotta kick the tires and because more than anything, this team needs a leader. But you can't just bring in a guy who's going to be a veteran utility player to lead the, the group. That's not going to work. You need to bring someone in who literally is going to be a, an offensive beast, who's going to be hit in the middle of the lineup, who's an all-star player, who's a veteran that everybody around the league respects. That, uh, you have to entertain that type of deal. You do. And so, I'm here today to tell you that I have a plan. I, I have a plan for the Boston Red Sox. And I've thought long and hard about it. I've looked at, you know, the standings. I've looked at every team. I've looked at contracts. I've looked at the Red Sox future. I've looked at the farm system. I've looked at their current roster. I looked, I've looked everywhere. I like to put my GM cap on. And um, I guess today, the purpose of my show is seeing that this is a, a pretty unlikable group. But, you know, I say that, and, and I say that also knowing that when this team gets into the playoffs, if they get into the playoffs, which I think they will, we're going to root for them, right? I mean, I tell you all the time, I don't like Dustin Pedroya, but when he's up at the plate. I want him to put one in the seats. I'm rooting for him to put one in the seats. I don't let that hatred for a guy get in the way of my fandom, if that's what you want to call it. Like, I just, I'm not going to let that happen. David Price, he's a tough player to root for. He's going to be even tougher to root for now that we see a little bit more of the details of this Dennis Eckensley confrontation. But you know what? When the Red Sox get to the playoffs and David Price is making a start, then... I'm gonna be sitting there hoping and praying that he's able to get the job done and get that postseason monkey off his back, right? I, I, I'm gonna be rooting for that. It's it, he's a tough guy to root for. I obviously we I don't like him right now. Uh, his personality is just it's just scre It's horrible. You know what? We should have known the David Ortiz thing when he threw a big poppy. I mean, we should have known some of this stuff, right? But he's tough to root for. I will that said, I will root for him when, when when they get into those games in the postseason. I will. So that said, I do have a plan that would really mix things up, that would really shake things up in the Red Sox clubhouse. It's a trade proposal that um if I'm the Red Sox, I would be out there trying to make this happen, okay? And I know we live in a world where you can go on Twitter and you can throw out a trade proposal and you can be a GM and you can be ridiculous and you can throw out big names and you can try to come up with trades that don't make sense. Like, right now, when it comes to the NBA, the Celtics especially, there's a lot of trade proposals that really don't make sense to me. Like, now that Kyrie Irving is available... There's some Celtics and Cavaliers trade proposals that don't make any sense. Um, Kyrie Irving's not getting traded to the Celtics. It's just not going to happen. Like, that's just unrealistic to me. But, um, you know, when it gets back, bring it back to Major League Baseball, the trade deadline is Monday. This coming Monday, there are big names that are going to be rumored to be dealt. Some more realistic than others. but, But still, I've tried to be as realistic as possible while coming up with the deal, coming up with a trade, a blockbuster trade that would be a, that would send major shockwaves to the Red Sox clubhouse that would shake things up to the point where, all right, the rotation would look different. The, the outfield would look different and the lineup would certainly look different, but it's gotta be something that works on both sides. There's money involved. There's some eating of the money involved. There's, you know, uh, uh, some players that would be moved that both sides might be hesitant to deal. But I think ultimately this is a deal that that could get done if the Red Sox really tried to make it happen. All right. So that's what I'm here to do today. I'm here to give the Red Sox a plan, and if they want to listen, fine. I do know that. There are some people that listen. I know that. You can laugh about that all you want. Uh, But I'm going to tell you that they'll listen to this. In fact, they might have already heard it from me based on some people that I've talked to. And I can tell you that I don't think I'm as crazy as you might think I am with this trade proposal. All right? So let's get to it. Let's do it. Here it is right here. Here's the trade. If I'm Dave Dombrowski, today, I am calling the Pittsburgh Pirates. I'm calling the Pirates today. And I'm saying, first and foremost, there's one guy that I'd like to get from you who we've heard, you know, you're you're probably leaning towards not trading him. Um, He's 30 years old. You got a team option. For 15 mil on him next season. You have not picked that up yet. You've said he might not be available. But we're here to make him available. Because he's the guy that we want. He's a veteran. He's an all-star. He's someone who hits in the middle of the lineup. He's someone who can hit for power. He's somebody that can hit close to 300. Hits for average. This is the model player that we would like to take. And put in our lineup. And we have a blockbuster package. That we think would get you to entertain the thought of trading him. That player on Pittsburgh is Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon is the guy. If, if I'm the Red Sox and I'm looking for a, an everyday player to be a veteran leader who also is an all-star in this league and hit the middle of your lineup and help you offensively big time, Andrew McCutcheon is my guy. That's the guy. Now, the first thing you got to do, and, and again, I've broken this down so many times. I was back there... Yesterday and today, before the show, with with Joey T here at Beantown Athletics, we got it all written down on a piece of paper. We went back and forth on different deals that we would make, that we could make. And again, I tell you what, I've I've played, I've put myself in the shoes of both sides. I I try to be as realistic as possible while sitting there telling you this would be a blockbuster. This would send shockwaves. And this is again, this is just my advice. This is something I would do. Call the Pittsburgh Pirates. And say we want Andrew McCutcheon. Okay? And first thing you have to do, though, the Pirates, because the Pirates will tell you, hey, listen, we're only two and a half games out of first place in the NL Central. The Brewers are in first place. The Cubs are in second place. Uh, You know, the Cardinals aren't too far behind us. It's really, it's a four-team race right now. Pittsburgh's in third place. In the wild card, they're out of it. You know, I just don't think that they should be looking at that. There's too many teams ahead of them. If the Pirates are going to make it in, they're going to win the division. 50 wins, 50 losses, and even 500 for the Pirates. But they got some players, veteran players on contracts that, you know, they they might want to look at it and think, if we can get something for them right now, let's do it. If we can get something big for Andrew McCutcheon right now, let's do it. It'd be different if Pittsburgh was in first place and the second place team was like four or five games behind them then I don't think you're seeing a move like this. But because the Pirates are in third place, they're not in the wild card hunt. Again, I know they're only two and a half games out. I think they need to be realistic. And if you're the Pirates, and you want to be realistic, if the Red Sox called you about Andrew McCutcheon, knowing that you have a team option for 15 mil on him next year, and you have not picked it up yet, you, you have to listen to what the Red Sox would offer. Now, from a Red Sox perspective, if you target that guy and say McCutcheon's the guy we want, you have you have to look at your roster realistically and say, Well, where would he fit? Right? I think in a perfect world, you'd make McCutcheon your your DH. He's thirty years old. You'd say he's gonna be our designated hitter of the future. Obviously we know he's a center fielder, he's an outfielder for Pittsburgh, but um, you know, he's no Jackie Bradley Jr. He's no Mookie bets defensively out there. Um, you know, I, I don't think you're making Benettendi your DH. Benettendi uh, covers some nice ground, makes some nice catches. You're keeping that, you want to keep that trio alive. And in a, in a perfect world, you can go out and trade for McCutcheon and make him your DH. And you'd get somebody to take Hanley Ramirez on, right? Now, I don't think you're going to get anyone to take Hanley Ramirez. So I don't think you can waste. Too much time on trying to move him because I just... Look, I don't think that's going to happen. All right? You're not moving Hanley. So Hanley's a DH. Sometimes playing first base now. I get it. But um, if you go target McCutcheon, you need a spot for him. That's where this thing turns into a blockbuster. See what I'm saying? That's where this thing turns into not just the Red Sox giving up prospects and top prospects from McCutcheon. But it also turns into the Red Sox giving up roster players and getting even more in return. And it brings me back to David Price. David Price making $31 million a season. Um, You know, I understand the longevity of this contract if he does not choose to opt out after the third year, next year, after next year. But um, if you're the Red Sox, I think you should... Looked at Pittsburgh. Called Pittsburgh. Said we want McCutcheon, David Price. We want to give you David Price, and we're not going to make. We know you're not going to pay the thirty one million a season, so we're going to make this as if we're still going to pay the $30, million a season by taking McCutcheon and picking up his fifteen million dollar option next season, right? But we're also going to pay half of prices which keeps us there paying, you know, we're spending that 30 mil next season, that 30, 31 mil next season. We'll pick up half. You have to pay 15 mil for David Price next season. And I think that Pittsburgh would probably do that. Again, you got to make room for McCutcheon. And that's where this thing gets a little crazy. Because that's where we start getting into, all right, you're not going to trade Hanley anywhere. And if you're eating money for Price, you're not eating money for Hanley. Hanley's staying. Hanley's staying. Forget about Hanley. Well, if you're making room for McCutcheon at that point, you're going in the outfield. If you're trading someone from the outfield, who are you trading? And if we are going back to all this stuff with, you know, leadership and attitudes and the things that we read in this Dan Shaughnessy column, and I'm trying not to make this an overreaction, but I'm just saying if you do contact Pittsburgh, you want McCutcheon and you want to turn this thing into a blockbuster, then Jackie Bradley Jr. has to go to Pittsburgh. Has to. And, and it's tough. If I'm the Red Sox, it's tough for me to do that because of how good his defense is in center field. But let's let's be honest. If you had Jackie Bradley Jr. and Andrew McCutcheon lined up against the wall, a 27-year-old Jackie Bradley Jr. and a 30-year-old Andrew McCutcheon, who are you taking off the wall first to play for your team right now? You're taking Andrew McCutcheon. I mean, if you... It, it, right? I, you would take Jackie Bradley Jr. over Andrew McCutcheon? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Uh to me, that wouldn't make much sense. And sometimes I do think that people look at Jackie Bradley Jr. and make him out to be a little younger than he is. He's he's tw- he's twenty seven. He's not the 23, 24, like the Mookie Pets, Andrew Benatene type. Um he's twenty Jackie Bradley Jr. is twenty seven. McCutcheon's 30. But McCutcheon brings the type of offense that this team desperately needs to the point where you add McCutcheon. I think McCutcheon becomes your, your cleanup hitter. And all of a sudden, your 3-4-5, to me, at that point, you should be Betts, McCutcheon, Moreland. Maybe Betts, McCutcheon, Moreland, Hanley. That would be pretty damn special, right? But you'd have to move a piece to get McCutcheon in. Jackie Bradley Jr. would have to be that guy. So if you're saying, we're going to give you price, eat 15 mil a year of his contract, eat half of his contract, we're giving you Jackie Bradley Jr., then you're giving us McCutcheon and you're also going to be giving us a couple other guys. And that's where this thing gets nuts because that's where, I think if you're the Red Sox and you got their attention on McCutcheon, you might try to get their attention on a couple other guys who have been rumored to be possible trade ships for Pittsburgh. Garrett Cole's one of them. Garrett Cole's 26. He's not having the best season of his career right now. Um last year he was complaining about his salary to the Pirates organization. I don't know what the relationship between the player and the team is there. He, he you know, he's under contract, similar to Jackie Bradley Jr. For the next couple of years, arbitration eligible. They're both free agents in what? 2020. Um, but Garrett Cole, right handed pitcher, you know, and, and I know what you're saying. Why would Pittsburgh trade Garrett Cole? Well, they'd they add Gary Cole to a trade if y'all willing, on the Red Sox standpoint, to also get nuts and start adding prospects. So here's what I'm proposing right now. Here's my plan. All right. My plan is that this would be a blockbuster trade. And this is my first proposal. If from the Red Sox, here's what I'm sending to Pittsburgh. Here's what I'm sending to the Pirates. I'm sending David Price and I'm telling him I'm eating half his salary I'm sending Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm sending Jason Groom, 2016 first round pick from last year, starting pitcher, 6-6, lefty, throws heat. I'm sending Blake Swihart. I think people forget about him, but I'm telling you right now he's got trade value. At 25 years old, he they're trying to they're trying to get him spots, third base. You know, in some infield spots, he played some outfield before. I'm telling you right now, Blake Swihart is a piece and a young kid that other teams might want. So, David Price, eat half of his contract, Jackie Bradley Jr., Jason Groom, Blake Swihart. They're going to Pittsburgh. The Red Sox get from the Pirates Andrew McCutcheon, Garrett Cole, and utility starter 30-year-old Josh Harrison, who... Is under contract next year. Is going to make 10, ten, ten and a half mil. Then there's some options for a couple of years after that at about 10, anywhere from ten to twelve mil. Harrison's thirty years old. Hits on the right side of the plate. Um, he's somebody that can hit for average, showing some power this year, right? Has some speed on the base paths. Is a potential leadoff guy for you, and he's been playing some third base. He's your vet- he's your third baseman. Josh Harrison becomes your third baseman. You can send Devers back down to the minors. You don't have to keep rushing him and forcing him and putting pressure on him to say, we need your offense. You don't have to do that. And you're getting a starting pitcher in the form of a righty who's 26, who would be your game two ALDS starter behind Chris Sale. And that's your future right there. People say, well, you give up Groom. That's too much. It's your future. No, no, no. Your future is Sale and Garrett Cole at that point, 28 years old and 26 years old. That's your future. So, I um, yeah, I absolutely would be willing to do this if I'm the Red Sox. I think if you're Pittsburgh, what you would then come back to the Red Sox and say is this. You'd say, if we're giving you Garrett Cole, yeah, we want Groom. But we also want Raphael Devis. All right? I, I There's no doubt that I think Pittsburgh, if they're saying, we're giving you McCutcheon, Cole, and we're throwing Harrison into the mix... As the cherry on top, then, yeah, all right, price is nice, and we want you to eat most of his salary or half. Bradley Jr. is nice because he's under control, and he's three years younger than McCutcheon, and he's an exciting player, Uh, and right now he's cheap. Groom is obviously someone we'd be putting into the rotation probably sooner rather than later if we lost Cole, and Swyot's a nice piece, but we want Rafael Devers because that is really the player that you know you, you because if you're at Pittsburgh you say hey you just made a blockbuster to get Chris sale you gave up your top prospect if you want a blockbuster to get our top pitcher and to get one of our top players and one of the best offensive players in the league of McCutcheon you got to give up a little more than that you got to give up your top prospect and if I'm the Red Sox if I had their attention and you told me you could land McCutcheon Cole and Harrison I would absolutely add devas to that package. I would. I'd add devas to the package. I think I'd add devas to a package that would just get you Garrett Cole. And maybe that's what it would, maybe that's what it ends up being. And I know some people will hear me say that and go, oh my God, you're nuts. They already gave up Mancata. They already gave up, you know, they'd given up Espinosa. What the fuck did that do? You're giving up, you're ruining the farm system. That's what you're going to tell me. And I'm going to tell you this. No, I'm not. Even if I gave up Devers and Groom in that trade package to go to Pittsburgh, which again, has not been rumored, but I'm trying to start the rumor because I think it makes sense. I think it makes sense for the Red Sox trying to get a veteran everyday player who can also hit and would be a might even be their best offensive player at the end of the year. And also get a 26-year-old stud starting pitcher who's not having a great season, but is still someone that throws smoke, who's got nasty movement, who's 26, who's in the form of a righty? The Red Sox need to go out and try to make a blockbuster like this. It improves them on the field, and it also gives them some, some character guys that the younger players can look up to. And I know Cole's a younger player, but let's just talk about McCutcheon and even Harrison to an extent. You know, these are guys that I think would step right in, and you'd be asking them, hey, you know what? Go in there and pound your chest. McCutcheon, go in there and tell them how many All-Star games you've been to. Go in there and tell them about MVPs. Go go in there, and we're putting you in the cleanup spot. You're our guy. You know, eventually Mookie Betts is the guy here, and it's going to be sooner rather than later. But right now, we need somebody to step in that is going to be that veteran presence— who can go out and play the game at a high level, lead by example, and and you're one of the genuine good guys in the game. Uh, People look up to you. They respect you. Like, that's the type of guy. So if you ever call Pittsburgh about this, you might as well go all in. And if you're telling me that you wouldn't add Raphael Devis to a package that would get you McCutcheon and Cole, then (laughs) you're obsessed with the number one On a piece of paper. Because the only reason that Rafael Devis is the number one prospect for the Boston Red Sox right now. Sure, he's a very good young player. But the only reason he's number one on that piece of paper right now. Is because the Red Sox just traded their number one prospect in Yohan Mankata. And you know what they got for Yohan Mankata? The guy who is the biggest reason. Arguably the only reason the Red Sox are in first place right now. Chris Sale. Could you imagine... What this Red Sox team would look like without Chris Sale? Could you imagine? They wouldn't be in first place. I tell you that. Um, this would be a, a team, a pitching staff that is anchored by, all right, you could, I guess, Drew Pomeranz would be the ace, but but also David Price. And you saw we just talked about what Price was doing, what he was getting mixed up in. Come on. They wouldn't be in first place. If this Red Sox team wasn't in first place and this was happening, if they were in third or fourth place, because that's where they'd be without sale, this would be a much, much crazier situation. The, the playing confrontation with, with Dennis Eckersley. The stuff that's going on between player and media. The rest of the team applauding. Could you imagine talking about this team applauding? That moment on that team playing? While being a fourth place fucking team? going into the trade deadline, what would you be doing? You'd be saying, blow it up. You'd be saying, let's go. Get this guy out. Get that guy out. Well, you know what? The only reason we're not doing that is because you did trade the top prospect to get the stud starting pitcher. I'll trade the prospects any day of the week. If you're telling me the Pittsburgh Pirates can be talked to and they would entertain a deal to give you a guy who they're going to lose for nothing anyways after next season, and Andrew McCutcheon and a pitcher that, you know, last year was unhappy with them. This year's having a down year. But you're also giving them, I, I think if you overwhelm, and maybe they come back and say Devis and, and you say, you know what, we'll give you Devis. I do it. I do it. Maybe you maybe you say, all right, we'll use that to our advantage. We'll give you Devis. Maybe you need to eat a little bit more of the price contract. Or maybe, you know what? We're not going to give up both Devers and Groom. Understandable. Understandable there. But maybe they say, you know what? We'd rather have Devers than Groom. I mean, me personally, I give up. (laughs) I give up Groom and that's If you're getting a 26-year-old Garrett Cole and you could add McCutcheon, give me James Harrison. Excuse me, Josh Harrison. I'm mixing up my Harrisons in Pittsburgh. Give me Josh Harrison, third baseman, veteran, exciting player. He's arguably a leadoff guy in game one of the postseason. I mean, that's that's a deal. And again, this is just a plan that I have. I'm not telling you it's rumored. I'm not telling you even that it's gonna get done. You might categorize this as a video game trade. What I am trying to tell you is instead of sitting there yelling and screaming about who's at fault for the plane confrontation. If you're the Red Sox front office, try to come up with a plan. How do you fix this? Does it need to be fixed? If you do fix it, just how much do you fix it? And if you decide to go all out and fix it in a somewhat unusual fashion for a first place team at the trade deadline by sending shockwaves to the clubhouse, what would you be willing to give up to make that happen? Price, Jackie Bradley, Groom and Swaihat would be my offer to Pittsburgh. While he didn't have a price of salary, to get McCutcheon, Garrett Cole, Josh Harrison. And if Pittsburgh came back and said, Come on, we want Devis, I would throw Devis into that trade too to make that happen. Because obviously in a postseason series, Chris Sales going game one. But if you wanted to go to Adam Garrett Cole and you say he's a Game 2 starter, here's my ALDS Game 2 lineup. You ready for this? Tell me this isn't a better team, both offensively and in the rotation. Ben Attendee leading off in left field. Pedroya hitting second at second base. Mookie Betts in right field hitting third. Andrew McCutcheon in your cleanup spot in center field. Mitch Moreland hitting fifth at first base. Hanley Ramirez hitting sixth as a DH. Xander Bogarts hitting seventh as a shortstop. Sandy Leon behind the plate hitting eighth. And Josh Harrison hitting ninth. Your third baseman. Benatendi, Pedroya, Betts, McCutcheon, Moland, Ramirez, Bogots, Leon, Harrison. With Garrett Cole on the mound. i It's a blockbuster trade. You can call it a video game. You can call it Unrealistic. But if y'all willing to part ways with another top prospect, if y'all willing to part ways maybe with multiple top prospects and get rid of the guy in David Price while even maybe eating some of his salary, to me, forget about Devers and forget about Groom and obviously forget about Price. The guy that, that you'd be most hesitant to move, in my opinion, would be Jackie Bradley Jr. here. And, and and I say that because of just how good his defense is, right? And and I'm not trying... And you know what? This might seem like adding Bradley Jr. to this proposed package, my blockbuster trade plan. This might seem like adding Bradley is uh, is an overreaction to the Dan Shaughnessy piece in which we saw that he, Jackie Bradley, set up Dennis Eckesley with that photo op. It's not. It's just... I told you how I went about it. I pinpointed a guy that I want, that I think you can have who's a veteran player, who would be a stud offensive player for you, right? I (laughs) pinpointed a guy, and I'm trying to make room for him. And in the process of trying to make room for him, you also got to factor in what the other team wants and what they would be willing to accept and what would get their attention. Jackie Bradley Jr. would be that guy. He's not as good as Andrew McCutcheon. I'm sorry, he's not. Defensively, yeah, Jackie Bradley Jr. is a a better player than, than McCutcheon. But McCutcheon isn't a stiff defensively. And because of that, and the offense McCutcheon provides, and now you're adding in that other intangible, which is that veteran leadership. And not just a veteran leader being a utility guy who's hitting 250. A veteran leader that is an all-star player that people in this league respect and look up to. is much needed in that Red Sox clubhouse, obviously. I targeted a player, and I asked myself, how can I get him? Dave Dombrowski needs to do this. What are the needs? How do you get them? It's, it's not a popular decision to to blow it up like that at the trade deadline when you're in first place. But does the trade that I just proposed to you, does that make the Red Sox a better team? They need offense. I think, of course, it does. I mean, the I think the Harrison acquisition, to me, would would be like, you know, the type of deal. Yeah, You're adding someone who can play third. Who could be a potential leadoff guy? I just told you you're hitting him ninth and and, and wrapping them around like that back to Benatendi, Pedroian Betts. He's athletic. Um he's in for a little bit of power this year. I just think Harrison it, it would be a, a a key piece, a crucial piece. Veteran player who could produce this move to me. And 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 you know what? Again, if I'm the Red Sox, the toughest player that I would. I would part ways with here is Jackie Bradley Jr. Not Devers, Jackie Bradley Jr. Because he's proven it to me. Just how exciting he can be in the outfield. Just how many runs he saves you. But you have to factor in how much more offense you're at him with, with the package you're getting. You also have to factor in the Garrett Cole effect. Now from Pittsburgh, you know what? McCutcheon, I think they'd give him up. Harrison, I think they'd give him up. The toughest guy for them to part ways with will be Garrett Cole because he is under contract, arbitration eligible. He's not a free agent until 2020. You got him a couple more years. But let's face it, if you're Pittsburgh and you are going to make the blockbuster and you're going to get multiple younger pieces right now, you're not getting a, tra- a trade package higher than this ever if you're Pittsburgh. So this is the type of move that I think gets Pittsburgh's attention, that I think overwhelms, you don't throw Devers into the original trade package, but you throw enough in to get their attention to maybe they come back and ask for Devers. And if I'm the Red Sox, I'd do it. I'd say, you know what? Fine, you got it. You got a deal. You'd have people crying about how Dombrowski ruined the farm system. I wouldn't be because I just read you the lineup. I wouldn't be because I'm just telling you that you add a 20. 20- if you could add a 26-year-old stud starting pitcher, what are you? That's proven in this league. What, you really upset that Jason Groom's gone? You have no idea what he's going to be. Rafael Devers. I don't care if he hits three fucking home runs tonight in his in his first start. You still have no idea what he's going to be. You don't. Remember Mankata's first game? What was it? In Oakland? He he pinch ran. He ran the bases. He was running around like a lunatic. People saw his speed. They're like, oh, Mankata. What's Mancata? Mink- I mean, come on. You wouldn't make that trade? Again? Of course you would. I know I would. It's just the Red Sox, I know they're in first place, but they have needs. Some of the intangible stuff, some of the on-field production stuff offensively. You could do those things, make those moves, add a little bit more in the form of unproven top prospects to get a proven 26-year-old starting pitcher to also help your pitching staff. Come on, I just think it makes sense. I think Pittsburgh is, I think you could get Pittsburgh sitting in a room going, are we not going to do this? We're never going to get this type of trade proposal. We're never going to. This is this is never going to come our way again this much for a group that, let's be honest, McCutcheon, we haven't even picked up his player option for next year, his team option. Harrison, he's 30 years old. He's getting paid. Ten, I mean, that's, that, that's a lot of money for us. If we can get them to eat David Price's contract, or at least half of it, or well, some of it. We can bring in Jackie Bradley. Under contract, for years in McCutchen. McCutcheon. We can bring in two of their top prospects. Why wouldn't we do this? I mean, I just think that this is the type of trade that's outside the box, that's creative in a sense where, you know what, it's a first place team. Again, this time of year, you don't usually make moves like this. But to me, this, you know, it's McCutcheon's the guy. And then I think to make room for McCutcheon, it turns into a blockbuster. And it might look like this is some type of overreaction to a column that Dan Shaughnessy wrote, but it's not. It's not. Because if the Shaughnessy column proved anything, it's that this team has, they have greater needs, not just for right now, but in the future. Like, for this group of young players, forget about Davis, Ben Attendi, Betts, Bogarts, Vasquez. Come on now. Go out and add something. Target a player. Make a blockbuster deal. That's my plan. That's what i do. If I were running the Red Sox, I'd be calling the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I would try to work a deal that landed me McCutcheon, even if it meant giving up Jackie Bradley, and if it means also, at that point, giving up Price, then guess what? Yeah, let's roll. Let's do it. But... I'm going to also add some of my top prospects to this deal to make sure that I also get my hands on Garrett Cole. And I'm going to make you I'm going to make Pittsburgh an offer that they're never going to see again for this for, for these players in a trade proposal. But if I'm going to do that, I also want a third baseman in James Harrison. Josh Harrison. I keep getting the Harrisons mixed up. Josh Harrison. That's who I want. There it is. Go get McCutcheon, Derek Cole, and Josh Harrison. And you're looking at a Red Sox team that not only has improved on the field, but you're looking at a Red Sox team that has also improved in the clubhouse in the form of veteran leadership. And you know what? The people that listen to me uh, uh, are going to think that I've had some type of revelation with what I'm about to tell you. If you also, before you made that trade or after, whatever, wanted to fire the manager, (laughs) go ahead. I'd do that too. And I have been somebody that's defended John Farrell. For the most part, I've defended John Farrell because I think that some of the criticism is way over the top, but there is no doubt about it. When you got your players applauding, a move like that from David Price on the team plan and... You have not apologized yourself to Dennis Eckersley. He's also holding the grudge with Eck. And, and you know, to me, this is such a bad look. On the manager's part as well, I mentioned Pedroia, but the manager. You know, if you think you, like, you have, all right, you're in first place. But can you make moves to send shockwaves that do not cost your team a championship run? To me, as long as you don't trade Chris Sale or Mookie Betts, <laughs> I think I think you'll end up being okay. Any other move to me right now? If you think they need to be done, make it happen. I- I- I'm ready for it. I'm ready. I'm willing to do it. And I think, obviously, you're not going to make moves that's going to affect your race for a pennant, a race for a World Series. But again, as long as you don't trade Sale, bets, Kimbrell, I I think I'd be okay with anything they do. And so I'm just trying to be creative. I am. You know, it's time if you're Dave Dombrowski. There's been so much shit. Like, you shouldn't be running around making phone calls and making trade proposals by taking everything personally. But at some point, you should take some things personally if you are the president of baseball operations. Right? Run the team like it's yours. Run the team like you care. Run the team like, I'm not going to stand for certain things. At some point, somebody's got to put their foot down. Doesn't seem like anyone's putting their foot down for anything in there. So, if you're Dombrovsky, you got to do that. Shake it up. Shake it up. Put your foot down. Take something personal. Take it personal. And... You know, you've heard some stupid shit come out of Hanley's mouth. You've seen Pedroia act like a fool. You got David Price acting like a clown. All right. You know what? At some point, you got to look at it and go, these are, this is my team. We need to do something. And here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a blockbuster trade. Going to call the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you know what? John Farrell, step into my office. We're going to replace you too. Because we think we can win without you. That's basically how this thing's going to go down. You want to shake it up? You want a little culture shock? That's how you do it. And in the process, you won't get worse on the field. You improve on the field. You also improve in the clubhouse, in my opinion. But I just think there's such a fit there with the Red Sox and the Pirates that that's the move you should be looking to make if you're Dave Dombrowski. And if they're listening, call them. Call Pittsburgh. Try to get something done. But that's the move I would make. It's my plan. (laughs) <laughs> it's my plan, at least. Hey, look, uh, what do you want me to do? You want me to sit here and just spend an hour? You you want me to spend an hour long podcast saying that David Price is a coward and and he's sensitive and he's thin skinned? No, we already we've done we've been doing that for a year and a half, haven't we? We know that with David Price, he doesn't want to be here. We know that with David Price, um, the Red Sox, if if, if David Price didn't pitch at all this season. The Red Sox, in my opinion, would still be in first place without David Price. I believe he's expendable. And I also believe that if you're making him expendable in a move that would bring in someone like McCutcheon and maybe even ultimately get you a 26-year-old stud starting pitcher and Garrett Cole while Adam Prospects, I think at that point someone like Jackie Bradley Jr. becomes expendable. As good as he is. I'm not knocking him. I'm one of his biggest fans. But I know an improvement on the field and in the clubhouse when I see one. And that trade that I proposed with the Red Sox and the Pirates, that is a major improvement. And would be for the Red Sox. And if you're the Pirates, the way you handle business, the way you look at future prospects, the way you look to keep it sort of even keel, not go out and spend crazy money, but also getting some decent talent and and, and, and being a team that can be somewhat exciting. That's you've been the last couple of years. I think these these moves give you some potential to to stay that course. More so than I think any other deal that you're going to get for some players that you might end up losing for nothing if you don't make this deal that I just proposed. So there you go. The Red Sox still have that GM their GM spot open because I'm ready to step into it, baby. When do you want to do the press conference? When, when they announce that I'm the new fucking GM of the Red Sox. When do you want to do it? We'll do it right here at Beantown Athletics. Well they won't even you know, we'll throw the backdrop, the Red Sox backdrop. What do they do? Red Sox, what do they got? Dunkin' Donuts, the sponsor, the backdrop behind me. We'll do the press conference. You know, they'll ask the questions. Um you know, when when did you when did you first talk to, to Dave Dombrowski about stepping into this role and and I'll say, you know what? The conversation between me and, and Dave, I'm gonna keep that private. But um when he listened to the Danny Picard show and heard the perfect trade that would land them and would now land us, Andrew McCutcheon and also Garrett Cole, uh, that's when he knew he had, he was bringing in not only the right players in that trade, but he was also bringing in the right GM who cared enough about the team to take certain things personally and be able to also function in an intelligent manner and not lose his cool and not just give up players for nothing because they're bad people in the clubhouse. Make a blockbuster trade. This is the one. And that's why I'm the new GM of the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> that, that, there it is. That's all they need to do. Call Sam Kennedy knows. He knows my number. He knows where I'm at. He's been in studio here. Dave Dombrowski, you know you can get my number. You know we can do this. Let's go. What else do you want to get done? Because I, I have other plans. There's, there's other options I have, too. There are other names that I have out there. How do you want to do this? When's the press conference going to be? Make me the, the new GM of the Red Sox. At least give me that official title. Because last time I checked, you don't have anybody under that title, right? They have two assistant GMs. They'll hear this. They'll listen. If the Red Sox and the Pirates make a blockbuster trade, I'm just telling you, you know where they got the idea from. Don't be afraid to make that trade, even though it's not your idea, Dave Dombrowski. And also after it, don't be afraid to, to hire me. <laughs> to the GM spot. I'm here every Monday and Thursday. I know today is a Tuesday. Uh, special cases call for special schedules. But I gave it to you. That's what I'm doing. Instead of just continuing to yell and scream about price and and what happened on the plane, let's let's talk about a plan that would maybe shake things up and would help the team on the field and in the clubhouse. And that's certainly my plan. Uh, As we get into training camp in the NFL, I'll talk more NFL. The trade deadline of Major League Baseball again is next Monday, so I'll keep an eye on those moves. Keep an eye on you know just around the league, not just with the Red Sox. The NBA will keep an eye on the Kyrie Irving situation. Cavaliers just signed Derrick Rose to a one-year deal. You got LeBron and Kyrie Irving hating each other. For the record, I do not think that Kyrie Irving is a dickhead for wanting out of Cleveland. I don't. If he he's obviously hearing that LeBron's leaving after this season, after next season, and if I'm Irving, you know what? Why do you want to live and why do you want to live in Cleveland for another year, knowing that that's the inevitable move? Get out now. I have no problem with it. And LeBron? Probably pissed off. But, um, I don't think they got better with Derrick Rose. They're going to lose Irving? How much can you improve? And if I'm the Celtics, the reporters at the Celtics have called the Cavaliers. If I'm the Celtics, I'm not... Yeah, yeah, look, Kyrie Irving's a great player. Would love to see him in green. But I just don't think that's going to happen. So here's what you do if you're Danny Ainge. You call the Cavs. And you, you try to make it happen, which means you try to get Kyrie to leave Cleveland, which means that you try to be a third team in a three-team deal to be able to do something to make it happen and maybe get another draft pick or two in the process, right? You don't, you don't get involved in a Kyrie Irving trade to land Kyrie Irving. You get involved in a Kyrie Irving trade to get Kyrie Irving out of Cleveland to make sure he's traded out of Cleveland and to make sure that's a three-team deal or a four-team deal and the Celtics give something up to help it work and also maybe get a draft pick or two in return. That's what you do if you're the Celtics. So when they call Cleveland, I'm not getting all nuts about, oh, Kyrie Irving's coming to the Celtics. No, 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 no. Celtics are trying to just get involved. They can help themselves for the most part by making sure Kyrie does get traded. And that is what I think they're going to do. At least that's what they should do. Again, get this show whenever you want at DannyPicard.com. Also on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere podcasts are available. Also part of the Podcast One network. Follow me on Twitter at Danny Picard. Like my Facebook page, all forms of social media. Well, I will talk to you on Thursday. If the schedule changes, again, I'll, I'll let you know on Twitter. But as of right now, Thursday, we're looking good. We'll be involved in NFL training camp, Patriots training camp. And again, I'll react to any moves that are made in Major League Baseball. I'm out. Talk to you Thursday.